Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in today. You can always find us over at pathtozion.com or of course here on our YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning back in. We appreciate it. If you want to reach out to us via email, in case you don't know how to do that, pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com is the way to do that. Now, obviously today I'm not doing this at all to, to jump on a bandwagon of opinion. Um, there is no shortage of that right now. Everywhere you look, everyone is, is chiming in on their opinion on the events that are unfolding at Asbury University. Um, now, I am a very opinionated person by nature in the sense that I have a lot of opinions. I look at something. I, 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 I look at it from every possible angle. I ask a ton of questions, and this is no different. Uh, and the only reason I'm even addressing it here on the channel, we don't ever really do this. We're, this is not a current events type of discussion channel. Um, but I do feel like uh, a proper function is for someone to be a watchman and, and to pose some hard questions, which is why today's titled um, The Asbury Revival, Revival, um, Some Unpopular Questions. Um, and somebody's just got to be willing to ask them. Now, there are people who are asking them, but... A lot of times it's just very angry and full of uh, impossibility. And, and this is this, and this is this, and this is this, and it can't be this. And I want you to know from the very beginning that although I'm not endorsing anything, I, I, am, I am also not disregarding it. I'm not just casting it aside and saying, this can't be a revival. I'm not saying that. In fact, we're going to answer that question very quickly at the very beginning here in just a few moments about what exactly I am saying. Um, so I do want to spend a few minutes talking about it. I've got a bunch of stuff typed out. This is just how I do things. Um, I've got five pages here, and I'm already talking quick. I, I talk fast already, and I'm talking extra fast today because I don't want this to be a three-part series just about my questions that I'm proposing to anyone who would listen in the body of Messiah about what's going on at this university and others as well that we're beginning to hear about. Um, but it is some unpopular questions because people just don't like questions. Most people. There are many people who do. Thankfully, I'm one who I, I don't mind questions, and I don't mind now. I'm finally to a place where I say, you know what? I may not have an answer, and that's okay too. Most people hate questions. Are you challenging me? Are you saying that what I'm saying isn't true? Are you saying it's impossible that what I'm saying is factual? And are you saying, surely you're not saying I might be wrong? Well, you know, we're going to tackle that as well. That is a, a major concern um, within this event um, that people, man, especially in this age of Christianity, you don't question someone's faith or what they're feeling or what they're sensing. Um you know, it's very offensive. Um, so there's no way around that. But I do want you to know from the beginning, in case you're just breezing by and I happen to pop up in all the hundreds of other Asbury Revival um, videos and you're like, oh, I don't want to lis listen to this guy. He's just going to say how he doesn't like it. I'm not that guy. Um, so I just want to make that clear from the beginning. Now, I do have a lot of questions, though, um, which is, again, what we're going to talk about many today. Um, and I want to make this very, very clear. Well, two things. One, I need to say first, on the immediate heels of this, I might just hit stop, record, and start. Um, I'm going to do, well, will probably be a two-part series 
on a biblical examination of what is revival. Does the word really even appear in proper context and understanding in the word of Elohim? Is the word revival and what people are talking about, is it even in the Bible? Many people, many Christians, mainstream majority are, are, are awaiting this global revival where, you know, we know the prophecies of Joel. We know other things that are, that are spoken of in, in the word. But a lot of those things have been misappropriated, and that's not really applicable to these people, and that's not really what this means. And so there's some things to really um, examine a bit further. And so that's what we will do after this. I didn't want it to be a part one, part two, part three series because they can really they can really individually stand on their own, which is why we're going to divide them. But I did want to make sure I invite you back because I think there is a, a, a an answer, a solution, if you will, to the questions we're going to propose. Because if we don't know what the word, if we don't know what this says is a matter, we will follow other instances and events and people who we just assume are doing what is right, what is godly, what is good. But is it what the word tells us? Is what we have got to know? And that we will do that in the upcoming uh, part following this one. Um, so again, my main point within this, and please pay attention, what I'd like to talk about isn't so much about what is or what is not going on at the Asbury Revival, but rather how it is being viewed and talked about by the majority of people like you and me who are, who are looking from afar off or going to visit and spending a few hours or a few days there. My concern, again, is not so much what's going on there, although we will talk on that for a moment. My main focus with doing this and why I have this stuff on today is to challenge you and myself and anyone else who might listen, what are we saying and why about what we see? What is our verbiage? What is our, our approach? What is our um, conclusion that, that many people just floor it? They hit the gas to an instant conclusion. Many people, and we will touch on this much in the, you know, the next few moments, is I'm watching a video on YouTube of the revival, Move of God. Move of God. Look at all those people raising their hands and singing, and they've been there for days. Days. We're going to talk about that and how really, if we're just honest, we're in a pathetic condition, people. The body of Messiah, myself included, we're in such a pathetic condition that praying and singing and reading the Bible for more than an hour or two is a revival. We have to really hold that in proper tension and like really be honest with ourselves and just admit in confession that, you know what, we're so far away from a constant ongoing move of God that anything at all that pops up on the map that looks different than what most of people do now, which is attend church and Bible studies, it looks like a global revival because it's just it's actually something identifiable. So we're going to talk about that as well. I realize that I am very odd um, to ask questions instead of just jumping into the deep end of the pool of spiritual pep rallies. That's just not how I am. I've never been that way. Um, we all have different functions. We all have different ways of analyzing things and examining things and peering into things. 
Um, I would fall maybe to the watchman side if we're going to get real technical about functions and just kind of how I'm wired and maybe how you're wired is a different way. We're all necessary. We're all necessary. Um, But much of what I will present will be in the form of some questions. Why? To get us thinking about what we're saying, about what we feel. Oh, big word we're going to look at today. About what we feel uh, um, when we when we peer into something, or when someone says a phrase, and do we ask, friend? Do you ask when someone says a phrase, a Christiany buzzword, and you do you stop and say, biblically speaking, what does that mean? What does that mean, really? What is revival? What is a move of God? Okay, so uh, a segue is perfect. Is all these phrases I'm hearing, like move of God, and people crying out, fire, fall down, fall down, fire. The wind of the Spirit, the manifest presence of God. Revival is here. Um, hungry for God. You know, we're all hungry for God. I've, I have watched dozens of interviews with students and with visitors, with old men, with young men, um, with students and teachers, faculty, um, I've listened to people who, who like me, but like, you know, popular and all that, who have YouTube channels and they, you know, they lean in and they say, my, my inbox is inundated with questions about the Asbury revival. So I went last night and I did a live stream at 3 a.m. from the parking lot because so many thousands of you are needing to know and I'm here to report it. I'm not that guy. I'm a guy, I'm in my house in a studio I built here in my house. I'm a nobody in the middle of nowhere, but... I have watched and, and, and tried to spiritually assess what is the pulse of what people are saying, their, their, their dialogue with one another and the words they're using and trying to key in to say, well, what does that mean? Like, according to the Bible now, what does that mean? Um, I believe we should know. Um, what do these expressions mean? In light of the Bible now, not, not these Christianese buzzwords of 2023 and this modern, you know, hipster, uh, or even, you know, here's the other side. This is just organic. This is an organic move. <laughs> there's no leader. There's no lights. There's no smoke. Okay. But see, then that becomes something, too. Just like the lights and smoke, all they did, they just put a rug out and there's candles. And I'm not even saying they're doing that, but that's kind of the the aura of of modern worship gatherings. Of there's no agenda, and we're just here to feel what the Spirit's saying. What do you think, brother? What do you think, sister? And we just throw it all in a pool, shake it up, dump it out like dice, and hope that Father speaks. It's dangerous to me, but that's just my opinion. Like people fanning the glory, I see people in the in the in the aisles fanning the glory. You know, and standing next to someone who's crying. And I'm just asking, what, what are we doing? What is this? I'm not trying to be comical. If you knew my past friends, you would think, okay, I have seen everything. I have seen everything. I used to be a guy who went to like what now you would be called like encounter supernatural tent meetings. Okay. I was in the prophetic movement. I, I saw it all. I heard it all. I, I, there's nothing that would really surprise me or terrify me or I would think is just crazy. I've never seen or heard of that before. I've seen these things, okay? I've seen the, the fire, fire, fire. I've seen it all. <laughs> but what are we doing? I'm just asking, what, what is that? Ma'am, I'm sure you love the Lord and all these things, but I just want to ask, what are you doing? 
what is that? Like, what is that? What is that doing? I'm all for movement. I'm all for prostrate and raising my hands and, and physical representations of the posture of my inward heart, my heart condition, my innermost man. Yes, it needs to look like something. It needs to be literally fleshed out. Yes. But what, what are some of these things that, that, that we do that I'm seeing um, when I tune in to watch some of these videos? I hear a lot of people speaking of what they felt when they drove onto the parking lot, how they had an incredible feeling um, when they walked into the building. Um, and the thing is, and this is my concern, again, the vast majority of people who are talking like this are using this feeling to verify the event's um, validity. Okay, They're, Over and over again, it's this pattern of like, if you're, if you're being critical, you're not here. You can't feel what I'm feeling. And somebody comes out, oh, friend, tell me, what did you experience inside? Oh, I just had this feeling of I felt I could feel. And, and again, it's, it's, it's verifying and, and it's putting the stamp of this is a move of God. Okay, we're going to talk about that. I should probably just talk about all these points as they come now. I have felt Father's presence in my life before. A weighty, heavy presence. I mean, I've known that. It's real. I believe it. I have experienced it. I'm not calling it into question. But what I am saying, let's just say it real simple. Is Yahweh in the presence of Yahweh Elohim? Is the presence of Holy Spirit moving amongst men? Is that the only thing that can give us a buzz and a feeling and a, and a strong emotion? Have you ever watched a movie? Have you ever listened to a song that's like really hitting a, a heartstring of your life? Have you felt emotion? Now, was that Holy Spirit? Was that the, a move of God? Not necessarily. We have to be careful that we are not swayed. This, this is just elementary teaching. You should hear this all day long 50 years ago. You can't be moved by your emotions. Friend, I know you know that. We know these things, but we don't apply them to our lives practically, in my opinion. Father, he created us to be people who feel we have feelings. He speaks to us. He, we see endless examples of him extending himself out to people, humanity. And feelings are a part because that is part of the whole of who I am. Yes and amen. But equally so, I'd urge caution towards this, this goosebumps feeling that people are talking about having there as a stamp of approval that this is a move of Yahweh, okay? It's just a caution. It's a concern. doesn't mean throw it out. It means, hey, whoa, okay, I'm not saying you're not feeling something, friend. Praise the Father if he's touching you and, and, and bringing up heart issues that need repented of and, and like weeping and crying out before him and confessing your sins to one another. Yes and amen all day long. And... In light of that, we have to be cautious that it doesn't instantly approve a, a gathering or a meeting or a, an event as being something is a move of God. Every time, hands down, because someone felt something. Now, as with anything like this, especially in this information age that we live in now, there will, of course, be two sides that most people take. Most people will fall into two camps. One says it's all emotion and fluff. Now, this is, of course, a minority. Not too many people are really saying that by comparison. Um, and the other, which is a, the larger group, 
will wholeheartedly jump on board with great excitement and wild abandon. Yes, Lord. Here, Facebook. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. Fire, 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 Lord. Fire, Lord. Which, again, I'm saying, okay, well, what are we saying? What are we saying when we say these Christian-y buzzwords that are cool in our age? Fire, fire, fire. Okay. okay. What does that mean? What does it mean, friend? We should know what we're saying. More, more. Hungry. He's so hungry. He's so hungry. Okay. What are we meaning and what are we saying? I think these are valid questions. They seem... They seem very necessary to me. But I'm going to submit that, again, to there, most people fall to two camps of, of, of presumption, is really what both sides are, assuming one, camp one, this isn't a move of God, chill. Revival looks like this, and that ain't it. Next, or this is, you know, people outside and people on Facebook who heard through a brother's, sister's, cousin's, mother's, neighbor's, aunt who watched the internet stream, this is the move of God, brother. This is revival. I know it for sure, and you better never ever question it, or you're just a doubter with no faith. There's these two extremes. I'm going to say, humbly submit, that both sides are wrong. Both sides are in error. <laughs> Why would I say this? Is that arrogant? I don't think so. I'm included in a camp somewhere in the mix there. Why? Because no one knows yet, friend. No one knows yet. Nobody knows what this is. Nobody knows what this is going to be. Why? I want to propose something. I see people reporting from the event. I've been here for 12 hours, and friends, this is real. Or this has been going on for a week. One week, friends. And this is hands down leading to a global revival. Friends, it's a week. It's a week, okay? <laughs> so to both sides... I'd like to present some biblical caution and concern to any who are actually willing to investigate um, more than just emotion-driven conclusions on both sides. Because we just don't know yet. We're going to talk about fruit in just a minute. I've gathered a laundry list of quotes that, that concerned me. Phrases that people are saying about this event. Um... Some guy, will call, we'll call this guy for fun, we'll call him Supernatural Steve. He hosts a channel, tons of listeners, viewers, comments, ch -ch 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 chiming in, fire symbols mostly, just fire symbols. Many just really concern me greatly about these things that these people are saying. And again, we're not just talking about the revival event itself. We're talking about what we're all saying, what all these people who claim to be professing the name of Jesus which is a whole other issue, but claiming to be in the body of Messiah and the words we use and a caution to be more careful. So this supernatural Steve, he knows, you probably know if you're tracking this at all, there's a late, there's a, here's the divide. Uh, was it a medical emergency or was it a demon deliverance? It depends what camp you fall into. Police, uh, ambulance were called. Um, this lady, some say it was just a medical emergency. She had um, a seizure or something like that. But then the other camp, full on. I, here's a guy today. I saw, I only needed to see two seconds of that video, brother. And I knew right there, the Holy Spirit told me it was a demon possession. The, de the, the Lord told me. Holy Spirit told me it was a demon that was coming out right then and there. 
So Supernatural Steve, he is heaping accolades because apparently the lady that's from the balcony or wherever is shouting, come out in Jesus' name, come out in Jesus' name. To the woman in, in, in whatever condition is going on, I don't claim to know at all. Well, he knows her, and she is one of theirs. Um, so he was so proud of her. And he was warning against naysayers and making sure that the leaders of Asbury knew that he and his team are ready and waiting um, to come and help with the demonic deliverance side of things. Since they're all a bunch of Methodists who don't know how to handle this stuff like they do. That's why they called the medical personnel, he said. They don't know how to handle demonic stuff like we do because of their doctrine. Moving on. Uh, prophets. The, these these self-professed prophets are hopping on board on this um, like free food downtown. I mean, it's just like, get out of the way, right? The prophets want to gobble this up and jump on board and attach their name to it to no end, and thankfully so. What I've heard so far is that the leadership there are very much against it. Yes and amen. Keep them out. Keep them out in the sense of don't give them the microphone and let them get up there and start selling books. Not keep them out like don't allow them. They probably need to be in the room. <laughs> but don't let them up there. But none of them are ever going to listen to anything I say, of course. The prophets, though, this one very well-known one. I'm going to read a lot of his quotes just for fun. It's quite entertaining. Um, he, of course, is one to jump on the bandwagon um, because he had a dream about this in 2011 that apparently he's not really told anybody till today. But, you know, he's released it now. Um, and he said this, th um, these are quotes and I don't get into the whole, and then I'll play his video and then you watch him and then I come back and we need to confront this man and you need to go to his page. And I don't do that here. Number one, I don't have the time for all that editing and, and, and programming stuff. I don't have time to do all that. And number two, it's just not what I'm interested in doing. You can believe what I say or you don't. You could think I made all this up and I guess I could as far as you're concerned, but you know, I don't do that either. And so this guy said this. Um, here are some quotes. Think of revival the same way we think of Holy Spirit or COVID. <laughs> it just spreads. It's literally viral. Okay, this guy claims that he had a vision in 2011. Um, he saw fire coming from heaven and landing on college campuses only in the United States, of course. He makes it abundantly clear that it's not judgment. He repeats this. It's not judgment. God's not angry. This is not judgment coming to anyone. Um, but instead, quote, it's the wind of God's love, God's violent love. He continued, and he says this about the revival, and again, I will make it clear, and I'll say this again when I'm done. They're not endorsing this man whatsoever. The Asbury people are not endorsing this. They're not siding with him. They're not inviting him or anything. This is his opinion, which is why I'm talking about it. This is what is swirling around this event that concerns me greatly. There will be no agenda. There will be no one in charge. No one with any idea what is happening. Just God's fresh fire falling. Nothing but Jesus. People who don't even know why they're there or what is happening will cry out to Jesus and be spontaneously saved. No one will have to teach them anything or give them instruction or counsel. It will all be Jesus and Holy Spirit through revival fire. It will be raw. People who don't need to change who they are will come. They just want Jesus. 
They won't want forms or someone to preach to them. They just want Jesus. And this prophet, he goes on forever. He concluded with this. I asked Jesus, how will we steward this move? And Jesus told me this. It will look just like the book of Acts. You can't steward it. You won't have to. They're going to just sit in the Holy Spirit's presence and get it on the fly. Friends, this stuff should scare us to death if we're a people who cling to what this says. What kind of language is, what is he talking about? I mean, really, I don't normally do this on here at all anymore. But this just really gets in my clothes and itches me all over the place. What is he talking about? (laughs) And people gobble this up all day long. I don't understand and we should be cautioned. Now, again, I understand this guy in no way is a spokesperson for what's taking part at this college, university, or any other. I want to make that clear. But much of what he's saying in one way or another is being echoed by many other people with their own emotion-driven opinions, and this should cause a mature spiritual man to stop and examine how we address these things. Which leads me to this. We're just going to make this one part. What is your plan today and in the future to not be deceived by what will come in Jesus' name? This is, man, we could spend hours on this. I need a drink of coffee. This is a direct question. What is your plan and in the future, today and in the future, to not be deceived by what's coming? What's your plan? I've got to just read this like a blazing a trail (laughs) or we'll be here all night let me read some bible and ask some much needed questions first john chapter 4 1 2 and 3 loved ones don't believe every spirit test the spirits to see if they're from elohim many false prophets have gone out into the world you know the spirit of elohim by this every spirit that acknowledges that messiah yeshua has come in human flesh is from elohim But every spirit that does not acknowledge Yeshua is not from Elohim. This is the spirit of the anti-Messiah which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. The greater issue here, the more I study the word is this. And it's buried within this. And this is is a whole other issue. Most of y'all who follow the channel know for, for five months now, four or five months, I've been studying who is Yeshua, only using the Bible as my textbook. Who in the world is Yeshua? I'm doing a whole lot of reappropriation of who my Messiah is. Um, and so this is a valid question about who are people saying that Messiah is? Now, is he a, a Roman Catholic savior figure um, that eradicated Father's Torah? Um, or is he the prophesied Messiah whose name is Yeshua, Yahweh is salvation? Which one is he? Is, is he... Is he the one that was declared to to come and restore all things? Um, Or is he a new religion Jesus Messiah? Um, This is what Paul talked about. This is is what he said to be careful you don't run after another presentation of a differing Messiah that does not fit the criteria of the law and the prophets. So there's that. There's that little, little issue that's of concern. Um, and we all know many of the Bible texts that speak of the need for discernment um, and discretion 
Yet it seems very few people want to make that practical and live according to them. A popular one is, of course, found in Matthew chapter 7. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. So then, you will know them by their fruits. It goes on, of course, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Okay, prophecy needs scrutinized. And in your name, cast out demons. In your name, cast out demons. Oh, demon, I thought that that's a sure thing, revival. Not necessarily. And in your name, perform many miracles, miracles, signs, and wonders. These things will follow. Yes, amen. And they will also follow the false ones. Okay, both. And they're told, of course, I never knew you. And who were they? We always say here on the channel, let me hear you. (laughs) Depart from me, lawless ones, the ones who practice lawlessness, the ones who say, I don't need a law. Which ironically sounds just like the words of the self-professed prophets who says what? There's not going to be anyone in charge. There's no one telling anyone what to do. Where I'm making that one up to paraphrase while I find it, basically. They don't want forms. They don't want someone to preach to them. It doesn't need stewarded. You just need Jesus. Dangerous doctrine. According to this, this fruit verbiage that we see in, um, here in Matthew 7 and many other places, of course, Throughout the word, let me ask a very simple question. How long does it take for fruit to appear on a tree? As again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about some unpopular questions in regards to um, this Asbury revival. And I'm talking again to all of us that are out here on the periphery or those who are just watching and even those who are within being willing to step back and just ask some questions, unpopular as they may be. How long does it take for fruit to appear on a tree? Well, the tree has to grow. The tree must mature. The tree must bloom. The tree must begin to bear fruit, and then the fruit itself must mature. Until the maturation of the fruit, you have no idea what will be produced. And despite all of the warnings to test the spirits and to examine what presents itself, I hear endless people saying things like this, quote, quote, Enemies of God will come and question whether or not this is real. Do not listen to them. They are messengers of Satan. He will plant naysayers. Oh, goodness, people, really? (laughs) Where are the people maturely testing things according to the word of Elohim? They are being called. This, This could be something that leads to something greater. I will submit that for consideration. Those who just want Jesus, those who want to just sit in Holy Spirit's presence and don't want any, there's no form, there's no nothing here. They will hate people like me and possibly you who say, what about what the Word says? What about what the Word says? I've heard people this week now in videos saying, I know literally, I know what the Word says, but I know what God told me. 
And so if you don't want to agree with what God told me, then you need to take it up with him. Quote, friends, this is coming in greater measure. And that's why I'm so concerned about this type of stuff, about this, let's just show up and see what Holy Spirit does. Well, what are we going to talk about, brother? I'm not saying create a, a confining, constrictive, nobody can breathe and Yahweh can't move scenario. I'm saying there are certain parameters and boundaries to be in place for the safety of Yahweh's people to function rightly. And most of people who endorse New Testament theology cannot argue that point when you look at church structure and how people gather together and what we do and don't do. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry. This is important to me. Again, this is why it matters which Messiah men like Shaul Paul were preaching. Is he the prophesied restorer of the kingdom of Israel? That the disciples said that, quote, are you, are you here to do that now, Messiah? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel today like now? They knew what his function was. He wasn't just a savior God-man who hung on a tree to create a new religion. They knew why he came. Or is he this Messiah that Deuteronomy 13 warns us about that will come as a false Messiah? Defined by being one that to use that scripture, I believe it's verse 5 rightly, that this Messiah turns you away from the way that Yahweh your Elohim commanded you to follow. We have to know which Messiah are we talking about here. That is a, that's a question, friend, I'm just going to submit in humility with a tinge of prophetic warning to it. That is something a lot of people are going to have to answer very soon. What Messiah are we talking about? What Messiah? Are we talking about Jesus or are we talking about Yeshua? That's going to be a question that many people are, that, I think that's going to be a real divider. Um, it may be this year. I don't know yet. We'll know soon enough. Um, some personal stuff. As my little family sat and talked about what is biblical revival, I asked my son, he's young. Dude, I got no clue. Well, he didn't call me dude, thankfully. Dad, <laughs> I don't know. I've got no idea. Um, but we, we, surprisingly, even to myself, we had a very solemn moment, man, crying out to the Father. Um, and I led us in this very, very serious, sober prayer for Father to guard us, for Him to give us discernment. We know the prophecies about elect, one, elect ones even being led astray, which I don't claim to be. We're not above this reality happening to any one of us, friend. Are, are you above that? Are you above being deceived by a false light, signs, wonders, miracles, demonic deliverance, all these things we just read that the false Messiah will do and accomplish? A false Messiah that is not Yeshua, Yahweh is salvation? We want the Messiah that the Torah tutored us unto. We want the Messiah that the prophets foretold in my house. Now, I'm all for biblical revival, um, which we will cover in the next episode that I talked about. I am. I am all for it. But a room full of people raising their hands and praying for a week does not have to equate to a biblically defined move of God. We're so fast to brand everything in this age. 
It's revival. It's revival. Tell me right now, is it revival or not? Friend, let's just allow it to be whatever it is. Why do we have to call it something? Why do, you know, like things, I'm not saying they're doing this at all, but like this Christian culture that we're in, make a t-shirt. Hey, hey, Jim, make a logo. Get a logo real quick and put this verse on it and put it on the website. And again, I'm not saying they're doing that, but that's the Christian culture we live in. Make some hats and stickers. We got to promote this thing. That's what that's what Christianity does today. I'm sorry about my squeaking chair. I've got to fix this thing. It's driving me crazy. Unless you can't hear it, and now you will because I pointed it out. The sad reality, as I mentioned earlier, most are so far removed from a daily experiential life of repentance and intimacy with Yahweh that this is some anomaly, friend. The way people talk about this is I literally say, do you not have an ongoing relationship with Yahweh now? Leaders, pastors, um, you know, student leaders, teachers. I'm like, are we not doing any of these things already? Is it that rare to have carved out time? Have I sat for a week in the presence of, of Yahweh with music playing and preach? No, I haven't. I've done it before in different settings, yes, but have I done that this week? No, I have not. Can I do more? Yes and amen all day long. Yes, absolutely. But it's so it's so like otherworldly, like I can't believe that Yahweh's visiting people. I don't know why that's such a, a, a crazy idea. Let us be a people that cry out in repentance and for a return to Father's ways. Yes, but in our longing for biblically defined returning, revival to come, we must be a discerning people, and discernment takes time. Discernment takes time. To use the fruit analogy from 11 minutes ago, fruit takes time. It has to develop. It has to grow. And then it comes into sight, and you're like, ah, that's an apple tree. I didn't know. I didn't know. Why? Because I had to wait. I had to wait for the fruit to grow. Friends, you got to do that with this. You've got to do that with these winds of, of movements that come and go. Sad, sadly, <laughs> most people just want revival so bad, they use these big flashy words that we started off at the beginning of this. It just can't be biblically sourced to describe and define it. I get it. I do. I understand. I'm an excitable guy. You can probably tell by how I talk about this. You may just think I'm angry, which I'm not. I love to talk about what Yahweh's doing on the earth and what are we doing wrong and how do we fix it and and like just the whole overview. I like just looking into these things. I love it. It excites me. I get it. But I am imploring believers to slow down. Slow down. Think about what you're saying. Examine the word to make sure what you're saying is correct and applicable to what we're seeing and what people are experiencing. And when they're not, just show very simple self-control, restraint. Why? For the good of Yahweh's great name. For his name's sake, friend. We must learn from these movements and be willing to take hard looks at the fruit from them. We have to ask hard questions and have proper biblical examination of these matters. Now, we're going to talk about more uh, uh, like this in the next episode, but the biblical pattern for prophesied revival is found with many specific texts. Um, can be uh, summarized, in my opinion, um, by a returning the Father's ways. That's really what a biblical pattern for returning 
revival, hayah, is a, it's a Hebrew word we're going to talk about next go-around here. Um, this shows up, for example, Daniel chapter 9. So I set my face to Yahweh to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, ashes. I prayed to Yahweh my Elohim and confessed, saying, O Yahweh and great and awesome Elohim who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him and keep his commands, we have sinned. Okay, goes on. We have committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. We have turned away from something. We've turned away from your commands and from your rulings. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets. Okay, so like here's the thing. And again, this I can't bite all this off right now. This will be in the next upcoming part, uh, series after this one. Time and time again, repentance in the word of Elohim, whether it's with Josiah, um, Hezekiah, here in Daniel, time and time and time again, it is a confession, yes and amen. A repentance, yes, but of what? We have forsaken Yahweh's commands. We have abandoned his right rulings. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets. Friends, this is what we're guilty of. When I start seeing this, that is the biblical returning. That's biblical revival. Here and elsewhere, we see examples of returning via repentance and confession. Confession is of utmost importance, yes. But what? A confession of abandoning Father's ways. It's a biblical pattern. And again, we're going to look into words um, shuv and hayah, two Hebrew words in the Older Testament that are very important as we look at what is biblically a revival, a, a returning, a move of God. We're, we're going to bring this to an end. I've been talking long enough. I heard one man being interviewed say that critical people will never experience revival. Friend, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is so not true. That really strikes me personal, I know, and so I'm not going to harp on it, but oh boy, come on. Let me say this. My son, okay, he's, he's, he's only 11. He has a very severe food allergy, okay? We've trained him to examine his food. He reads labels like I read the Bible. There's nothing he's going to miss. He's going to go over it and go over it, and okay, I can eat this, or I can't. Why? Why does he do that? Because if he doesn't take the time to scrutinize what he's ingesting, he could die. His life depends on it, like literally. I want to propose that same critical thinking towards these matters. Because, friend, it's the same in the spiritual. These things are life and death, spiritually speaking. Because if we are found following a false Messiah because of feelings, because of signs and wonders, because of demonic deliverance, because of any other thing, Yet we are not discerning and testing the spirits. And friends, we're going to be led astray and we will find ourselves in darkness, separated, cast out. I never knew you. Friend, I don't want that for me or my household or for you, anyone. So yes, let's hunger for a move of Yahweh in our age. Yes and amen. But may we not be so hungry for it that we eat up every single thing in sight before first examining it. It could be fatal. Again, I'm all for biblical revival, returning, awakening. 
In fact, I'll say this in absolute conclusion. We gathered last night. Every every two weeks we meet across the road here. There's a small old country church. It's fixing to have a 100-year anniversary. It's an awesome little place we gather. It's nothing. It's not much of anything that we do. There's very few of us that come, just local, simple Appalachian people that I love. And because of this, because of what's what I've been watching, what I've been, not what I'm seeing, but just what's stirring in me to ask my myself hard questions. During our time last night, I asked myself and I asked those who had gathered with us there, what do we need to do different than we're doing now? We've been meeting like this for a year and a half approximately now, maybe longer, in this form. But as I listen to the endless list of, of infirmities and emotional wounds and issues that people there had and people who they love have, I thought to myself, because of this, because of where I am, and because of what I'm asking the Father to show me in all this, I asked, what do we need to shake off of the dust here where I live? Now, do I need to dr drive to Kentucky tomorrow morning and, like, to use people's word, grab a bag of glory and bring it here to spark revival? I'd say no. I, I, I've never been in that bandwagon even back when I made my, my pass through prophetic stuff. I need to seek the Father more here. <laughs> Be better postured now for those around me, for what he wants to do here in my world, in me. In absolute conclusion, I don't know what is happening at this Asbury revival, at this event. And friend, neither do you. Neither do you. And is that okay? Is that okay, friend? No one knows yet. This has been going for a week, friend. A week. We're not lessening it, and we're not blowing it up and making it a spark of a global revival because of everybody's hype and excitement and, and fire emojis. We need to pray for these people that are trying to oversee this thing. I'm kind of a, a overseer, structured guy. I, I, I fall into it. I don't look for it. It's just my, my brain goes there. I think of and pray for these brothers and sisters who are overseeing this thing and trying to navigate this. I can't imagine the responsibility they're carrying to rightly oversee this event. We need to pray for them. Oh, my goodness, what they're having to deal with. I've heard many things that just like they need us to pray for them. I haven't even touched on all these other issues that are swirling around this event with people trying to, to hijack it and grab it and, and, and be a part of it. No matter what it is, it doesn't need all this hype and labeling, in my opinion. My hope is that Father uses it to accomplish His purposes and that men like you and me don't screw it up, <laughs> that it does whatever He wants it to do. Whatever that is, which will take time to know, and we need the patience to wait. So that's my submission for consideration of some unpopular questions about um, this Asbury Revival event. For anyone who might be interested, in the next part, which will be series, this is just going to stand alone. We're going to look at Psalms, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Proverbs, Malachi and Acts primarily to look into this Hayah, which is all over Ezekiel, um, and the Hebrew understanding of Shuv, um, 
what is revival? What is returning? What are we returning to? I thought we're in a new covenant. I thought everything's new now. There's nothing to return to. That's all done away with, right? Well, the Bible would say something else. So consider tuning back in if you're interested in learning maybe something different than what you presently believe revival is or should be. You have been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way around here. Thank you for tuning in and listening to me talk for 48 minutes and 13 seconds. Find us over at pathdesign.com or right here, of course, on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you want to. Share it. Email us, pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Amen.